you're still not really in the operational world for the Spaceborne Imaging Spectroscopy missions. There's a huge international cooperation to bring together uh, scientists to develop techniques, products, and technologies that can help really to use data on an operational basis. Hi, I'm Stephanie Tumampos, and you're listening to Down to Earth, the show where we talk to incredible geoscientists about their science and its impacts on our planet. Today, we're exploring how scientists around the world are working together to advance research on spaceborne imaging spectroscopy. This episode of Down to Earth comes from the Geoscience Spaceborne Imaging Spectroscopy, or GSIS, Technical Committee of the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers Geoscience and Remote Sensing Society. The GSIS Technical Committee's mission is to share information and collaborate across governmental and industry stakeholders to build a reliable knowledge base about spaceborne imaging spectroscopy. To learn more about this technical committee and how you can get involved, visit their website at grss-ieee.org slash technical committees. I'm actually trained to be a mechanical engineer, but I actually haven't really done that much engineering since grad school. Um, I actually went straight to do environmental monitoring work using remote sensing. This is Dr. Cindy Ong. She's the principal research scientist for the Energy Resources Program at the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, or CSIRO Energy. Honestly, working for CSIRO at the time was a dream job. So when I got asked whether I'd like to work with CSIRO, I was like, yes! CSIRO is Australia's national science agency. They work with industry, government, and the research community to turn science into everyday solutions that improve the lives of people in Australia and beyond. Looking at mine environment monitoring brought me to imaging spectroscopy because really it was a very exciting developmental time for remote sensing and, and particularly for imaging spectroscopy in Australia. And I, I just felt like that was a very exciting area to be in. Cindy's current work at CSIRO focuses on quantification and monitoring of methane and other environmental impacts related to the onshore gas industry. She also leads the Pan-CSIRO project on optical calibration and validation. Through this project, she's spearheading the effort to set up a new vicarious calibration site specifically for imaging spectroscopy. My background is on urban imaging spectroscopy. So I started answering questions of urban applications uh, using imaging spectroscopy data from airborne sensors. This is Dr. Uta Haydn. She's a scientist at the Remote Sensing Technology Institute of the German Aerospace Center, also known as DLR. Uta has been in the field of imaging spectroscopy for more than 15 years. For her, spaceborne imaging spectroscopy is an opportunity to use established airborne technology in a new way to uncover further knowledge about our planet. What inspired me really is the detail of information that is in that data. You can see so much about the Earth's surfaces, about the materials, about the physical and chemical condition of the materials. So that is really what impressed me very well. And Airborne uh, systems came in, starting with the U.S. Uh, airborne system Everest. And these technology and these images uh, were the basis for so many 
very interesting science and developments in geological exploration. So these techniques have been developed for many years and it was always a dream to have those instruments in space. Through a fateful science exchange between CSIRO and DLR, Uche and Cindy ended up meeting and eventually forming an international collaboration on spaceborne imaging spectroscopy. You are located on completely different countries, like opposite sides of the world. How did you end up working together around spaceborne imaging spectroscopy? CSIRO had a very long partnership with the Germans, and particularly with the German Aerospace and the GFZ. DLR was getting a sensor built in Australia. And then we also had a common test site in the Iberian Pirate Belt, where we were doing research collaboration on acid mine drainage. And so finally, it was like, okay, would you like to come for a scientific exchange? And so I went, yeah. Why not? And so I actually ended up working in Oberpfaffenhofen in this imaging spectroscopy group. And that's how I met Uta. And then I think starting 2011-12, we were together at this network, at the GRSS network, Jesus. And then from that point on, we were much closer collaborating on these topics. This is like a story I tell everybody, but when I went to the German aerospace, it was more or less chasing that dream because I was there thinking that in future we're going to have this spaceborne imaging spectroscopy sensor up there and, you know, that it will all be operational, etc. And so the thing was the Germans, the DLR and the GFZ were putting in this proposal to get a mission into space. And I can remember that colleagues and I were both in the field sitting uh, at the end of the day, when we got this phone call um, from, you know, the the other um, collaborator from GFZ, Charlie Kaufman, saying, we got it. And it was like that euphoric feeling like, oh, my God, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and actually that was NMAP and I was starting to work for it in 2007. But then I got the opportunity to work for another spaceborne imaging spectroscopy mission called DASIS. And this one is launched to the ISS. Um, it's a very interesting platform, actually, for new technology and new sensor systems. So I'm now the science coordinator for this mission. And it's really a nice work because you got so much nice images from the Earth. And there are a lot of groups working already with it. So it makes a lot of fun to do that job. I guess both of you are meant to be together. <laughs> <laughs> so... So for our listeners who don't know, what is spaceborne imaging spectroscopy? Okay, so first of all, what is spectroscopy? It's a measurement of how light is interact with matter. And measurements are done in the spectral domain. So for the wavelengths ranges that mostly go beyond the ranges that the human eye can see, what we are measuring is the amount of irradiance from any light source like the sun or also a lamp that is reflected by the matter. And now the percentage uh, that is reflected depends on the chemical and physical property of the matter. Since we measure these very narrow consecutive wavelength ranges, we get kind of a reflectance curve. And the form of the curve 
contain a lot of information about the physical and chemical property of this matter. Spectroscopy, especially in the laboratory, it's, it's actually, you know, has been used for many decades. And this is just bringing that kind of measurement to a remote platform so that you can extend it um, to the spatial domain as well as for looking at spatial scale, temporal scale phenomena. But I think the most important thing about imaging spectroscopy is that it actually provides you with that diagnostic information. What we have now, Landsat TM as operational or Sentinel-2 as operational optical sensors has the basis of spectroscopy, right? So the difference between multispectral and hyperspectral is that when you have um, multispectral, you're more or less wearing blurry glasses, whereas when you have hyperspectral, you kind of sharpen your focus more or less. With imaging spectroscopy, you can really move a step forward in the detail and the accuracy of measurements you can have from space. That's the first thing. The second is also, it's not just the the detail, there are also new information that you can retrieve from those uh, instruments. The research for it is important because we need to have methodologies, um, approaches that are able to retrieve those information from the data. And doing that also in an operational way, in a decent time frame. I think that's one of the challenges of having these uh, instruments in space. The challenge of frequency, the challenge of revisits, you know. From the multispectral world, there are a lot of instruments like Lancet, like Sentinels, that are covering the Earth very frequently with a large coverage. And that's what the space-borne imaging spectroscopy instruments doesn't really have so far. However, space agencies like the ESA, European Space Agency, but also NASA and um, other space agency national ones, they really now starting to plan instruments that are uh, suitable to, to cover the Earth in a decent time frame, let's say and doing it in an operational way. So there is the mission CHIME by ESA and also NASA mission SPG, and they will really differ in their coverage and in their frequency, and they will cover the Earth's surface. You know, when, when we have routine, like uh, Uta said, operational, frequent access to hyperspectral data, on a continuous basis, we don't know what we'll find, particularly for um, phenomena that are ever-changing. Um, this is a new generation of data with better signal-to-noise, better calibration, and better ability to uh, obtain more um, diagnostic features or diagnostic signatures. Up next, we dive into how scientists around the world are working together to ensure this new generation of data is accurate, reliable, and enabling us to make well-informed decisions on issues such as climate change. All this right after the break. Are you looking to make an impact in geoscience and remote sensing science? Then consider joining one of the Geoscience and Remote Sensing Society's technical committees. From environmental analysis to spaceborne imaging spectroscopy, each technical committee advances innovative research and technology in a specific field of remote sensing. 
By joining, you'll connect with a community of passionate researchers and professionals who are fostering important international collaborations and steering global research agendas. You'll also gain access to the latest news and state-of-the-art research in the field. Expand your network, enhance your career, and make a difference. Join a GRSS technical committee today by visiting grss-ieee.org slash technical committees. Welcome back. Today, we've been learning about spaceborne imaging spectroscopy with Dr. Cindy Ong from CSIRO and Dr. Uta Haydn from the German Aerospace Agency, or DLR. As we've learned, imaging spectroscopy has been an airborne Earth observation technology since the 1980s. What makes spaceborne imaging spectroscopy an exciting addition to remote sensing techniques is its ability to enhance the information we can gather about the Earth's surfaces. In particular, hyperspectral data allows us to determine the physical and chemical properties of material in a scene. The current challenge with spaceborne imaging spectroscopy is its limited coverage of the Earth's surface. But as Uta and Cindy shared, new missions such as the Surface Biology and Geology, or SBG, mission by NASA, or the Copernicus Hyperspectral Imaging Mission, known as CHIME, are being launched to solve this issue. These missions are being supported by scientific institutions around the world. And according to Uta and Cindy, it's this international collaboration that is key to the future success of spaceborne imaging spectroscopy. Let's go back to this, uh, this topic about collaboration. How do you do such incredible collaborations in sync? I used to think, oh my God, people are using all these cliche like uh, partner or parish, blah, blah, blah. And it becomes like, oh, it's just one of those things, you know. But I think more and more, it's really quite important um, that the community actually you know, work together because you can you can get so much more. And Australia is one of the biggest users of Earth observation, but yet we don't have our own satellites. And that's amazing, right? And the reason why we have access is because of the strength of the collaboration with the different international partners and doing the science collaboratively with people. So, Australia is a good example of how international partnership is really important. There are different forms of collaboration, I would say. The first of all, uh, we, we need to exchange our experiences. We need to sit down to talk and discuss about how do we coordinate all these different sensor systems in space? How do we do the coordination of acquisition plans? Then also, uh, how do we harmonize data formats, the products? What are the most demanding research topics and how do we approach these topics? Then also going beyond this research, what is the diversity of retrieval schemes we have for geo and biophysical parameters? And do we need a harmonization or do we want to keep the diversity and um, are they comparable? In the early days, before the CHIMES and the SBG, what we were having were a lot of missions that were more experimental science missions. And we were already thinking that there's an opportunity to have either the spatial coverage or the temporal coverage if, if only these sensors could be used coherently together. And the link between them would be the calibration and validation of 
the products, right? What do you mean by calibration and validation? And uh, what does it entail? Calibration is done in the laboratory under very constrained conditions before sensors are launched to space. It's done to understand how well um, your sensor is performing. Um, For the biggest sensors, a lot of times there are a set of instruments on board to capture the calibration as well. And so during the orbit, they are routinely being captured. Validation, on the other hand, is looking at how your next level product, let's say, mapped compared to independent kind of measurement on the ground. Yeah, I just remember on our field excursion in Nevada in the Railroad Valley, and we spent a couple of days out in in that field on making measurements in the totally heat. So no trees, no vegetation, nothing, just flat seabed or former seabed where we were doing measurements. We did a lot of experiments actually to to match our measurements on the ground to to the spaceborne instruments. So if I understand correctly, calibration is about ensuring the sensors are working before and while they are in space. And then we validate the data these sensors are collecting by comparing the sensors' measurements against measurements that teams of scientists collect in C2. So why is international collaboration so important for calibration and validation initiative? The sites, the calibration and validation sites do not differ so much. They're just a few worldwide and really people have to collaborate to use those sites and also to get to good data. So for the CHIME mission, for instance, there are a lot of international PIs that are responsible for specific test site. So uh, last year and this year, there have been field campaigns done by these people, supported by an airborne instrument from NASA, so the Everest, and also supported by spaceborne uh, data from an Italian spaceborne mission called Prisma, and from DESIS, which is installed on ISS. So it's, it's really a really nice example of international cooperation, and I think this is just done because people were sitting for so long together and dreamed about spaceborne imaging spectroscopy in a, on an operational basis. How important collaboration is really came home during this pandemic. You know, like Uta talked about the CHIME underpinning mission or the supporting mission, right? I actually have a, a site in the Iberian Pirate Belt and I was meant to go there with all these other people to do the fieldwork, the calibration and the validation of the mineralogy. But when it came down to it, I just physically couldn't be there. And that really makes you think, well, you really need to collaborate with people who are able to to work with you. And so we ended up actually having to call upon the real local people within the Andalusian state. And that was really quite, you know, quite a challenge. Uh, And so collaboration is just so important in that, you know, you are just really restricted and you really have to stretch your resources so much. What do you think is the future of this international collaboration on space-borne imaging spectroscopy? There are always these 
let's say, two groups that are more or less working together. The ones that are uh, creating the data, writing processors to get good data quality and so on and so on. And then there's this other huge group which is using the data. They are really retrieving information about our Earth surface, about the environmental problems, the huge environment problems we have. They try to document these problems using the data. And I think the future is is really on getting to data that is trustable, that is reliable. And on the other hand, also to make the data available to a much larger group. I think you're, you're very right, Uta, that um, a lot of times it can be technology pushing an application, but where we can see real people on the ground with a real problem, um, integrating with the, the technology and actually solving the, the problem. I think that's really important. Yeah. I don't think that we can solve problems with our technology. But what we can do is provide databases, provide information for stakeholders, for politicians, for decision makers, but also for, like Sydney said, people on the ground that have these problems. Uh, so providing them data that they can use for getting to new idea how to solve it. Well, that's all for this episode of Down to Earth. For more information on the work being conducted by Dr. Uta Haydn, visit the DLR Earth Observation Center at dlr.de slash eoc. And to check out the work Dr. Cindy Ong is tackling through CSIRO Energy, visit their website at csiro.au. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And of course, send some love to our sponsors at IEEE underscore GRSS on Twitter and Instagram and IEEE Geoscience and Remote Sensing on Facebook and LinkedIn. This episode was produced by Nicole Bedford from Nicole Bedford Films with help from me, Stephanie Tumapos. Graphics and design by Mylene Briggs of Killam Media. And a special thanks to Fabio Pachifici and Keely Roth for their support. I'm Stephanie Tumampos and you've been listening to Down to Earth.